0: Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned.
1: Have you seen this? And guess who's back?
0: <laughs> I'm still at school, but I'm kind of also here.
1: Yes, it's our host in absentia, Tim Heiderick.
0: Yes, it's the magic of telecommunications technology. allows me to dial in from Sydney, Australia, so I can come complain about awful movies.
1: Tim, what the hell are you doing in Sydney?
0: I'm getting a proper film school degree because I've been kind of half-assing it this whole time. But, Actually uh, he's
1: doing it exclusively for the podcast. He didn't want to come to yeah. it with half assed credentials, so he went all the way to Sydney.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be like uh I think that they could have done a better job on split second without, you know, understanding the work that went into <laughs> crafting such a masterpiece.
1: But could they have done a better job on split second? I don't think so.
0: They could have done a better job promoting the most awesome movie of was it nineteen ninety four? Nineteen ninety
1: two, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I think they definitely could have done a better job on tonight's movie.
0: Ten to Midnight. Yeah, they could have done a better job and not making it.
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Ten to Midnight, Tim.
0: Uh, jeez. Um, you remember when uh you were a dumb kid in the uh late 80s to mid 90s and you lived in a small town with nothing really interesting to do, and you got like three channels on your TV because you lived out in the boonies. And so you'd be like bored on a Wednesday night, and you go to one of the two video rental places in town, but like the copies of, you know, like Jurassic Park and Terminator 2 were already checked out. So you're like, well, I want to watch an action movie, Uh, and I've already seen Death Wish, and like I didn't get it, but this movie also has Charles Bronson in it, so whatever. I mean, I'm not going to watch El Mariachi because it's, you know, it's a foreign movie. And that's probably boring. But, uh, but yeah, so 10 to Midnight. I don't know. It's, it's about a serial killer or something. So that's, that's got to be interesting. Like, Cop Hunt's serial killer. Like, that's, that's your basic action movie premise. So let's go with that. And then you get home and you're like, this movie sucks.
1: There are boobs in it, though. Which makes it yeah. worthwhile for any 13-year-old
0: oh yeah i guess that's true and and really i'm not saying anything that um that i'm sure uh uh what is it uh electric boogaloo the the documentary about uh canon films i'm not. i'm not saying anything that i'm sure that documentary hasn't already said but like if you think of like a sleazy money grubbing um like nobody uh like greasy film producer, who's like, ah, I want to see the tits. Show me the tits. We need to have something with something with sex appeal. Like you know, the basically the shitty impression that um, Mike Santa Claus does. We're just like, yeah, it's you gotta have this. You gotta have some uh, dames with gams in it. And so it's it's that same kind of notion where where it's like, yeah, we need to make a, a movie that'll get butts and seats. And if it, we need to have it be about like. Uh, killer than a cop and have some boobs and be like, yeah, okay, fuck it, let's make a movie, whatever.
1: Well, this movie has one gimmick, which is that the killer kills while nude.
0: Yeah, which which, in the climactic scene where he's killing all the co-eds, spoiler alert, like, I can't think it. like, there's something unsettling about being attacked by a nude man, but it's also something that's like, you didn't even bring shoes to this fight.
1: Yeah. Well, I loved when, um, they have shots. They're low to the ground with his like feet walking along, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Dude, footprints."
0: Yeah, bro. It's, bro. It's again. Yeah, it it gets back to the, the like, stupid <laughs> notion where it's like, "Yeah, we gotta have a gimmick," or or, or it's
1: like they're well, doing this, some kind of
0: Mad Libs where it's this, like naked serial killer.
1: Yeah, this the gimmick did suck me in though because I saw yeah, it. it
0: suck all right.
1: Um. There's a there's a Tumblr called uh I think it's called Trash Fuck You, which is basically like he posts a lot of like schlock movie screen caps, stuff like that. It's great. Um mm-hmm. So there are all these there were all these photos, like, of this nude guy mm-hmm. like about to stab Girl us I was like, well shit, I wanna see this movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked.
1: Like the gimmick worked. Or- I watched well, it. Then- you can by the way, you can get it off iTunes if you're dying to see it. Um, but let's kind of get into some real, sorry, you should really
0: see it in the, in the format it was, you know, intended in that 480, 360 resolution. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) 240, babe.
0: Yeah. That's some hot YouTube quality.
1: That's the finest of resolutions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's no point in scanning any more lines than that. All the information you need is right there. (gasps)
1: Exactly, but anyway, so, so this is a canon yeah. film from 1983, uh, 10 to Midnight. I was doing a little bit of research on it, um, and I was going to joke like, oh, it was directed by I am a hack, but actually, yeah. uh, it was directed by a British director, um, J. Lee Thompson. It was a hack? <laughs> oh. Well, he was, he was a working director. He made like about All a right. jillion films, and he fucking directed the original Cape Fear."
0: Okay, and uh, so, Guns
1: of Navarone, and yeah, a couple well, of Planet of the Apes movies.
0: So this isn't his worst movie, then?
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, okay. Well, hell, also what can the you do? screenwriter
1: wrote the mag- the the Magnificent Seven.
0: Huh?
1: Fucking Magnificent Seven, which I admit is a really I personally believe is a really pale copy of Seven Samurai, but. That, admittedly, no. that's a hard, that's a high bar to meet. So,
0: yeah. Well, uh, okay. I guess you can't really necessarily shit on the, you know the writer or director. It'd be like, someone hired us to make a film, and we did our jobs.
1: Yes, they so definitely like, made a film, which was printed and put into cans and delivered to movie it theaters was made, across the country.
0: It was made as a product for a return on an investment, as intended. And, like, well, there you have it. I mean, oh, I just think of, like, I, I just think of, like, a, a sleazy producer with a casting couch, like, t- making, is the one making this movie. It, it isn't made, you know, to be art, and it isn't made to advance the genre. It's just saying, like, uh, people like cops, uh, we need some violent, we need some with titties, uh, we, need, uh, we need an angle. We need, we need a gimmick. We need to think of something.
1: Well, And I, so, like, and all right, I think... dude, serial killer. Yeah, I think it wasn't true at the time, but it's certainly true now that serial killer films are just an incredibly threadbare topic.
0: Well, as someone who has a, <clears throat> a, a disturbing interest in serial killers, like I can see how that would be a real problem for you, especially.
1: Well, but this is the thing, because I really, I really like true crime, which is mm-hmm. partly why I find uh, serial killer movies to be so fucking stupid. I mean this yeah well this was based partially on um, the Richard Speck murders Um, he killed he killed uh, eight student nurses in Chicago in the 60s that's a very famous case so I was kind of and I knew this before I watched it and I was kind of waiting for it to get to the Richard Speck part and then when I saw that uh, the main female character was a student nurse living in a dorm with a bunch of other student nurses I was like okay that's the Richard Speck connection But
0: Ah, honestly, spec
1: connection. connection. Mm -hmm. Honestly, though, I don't like serial killer movies because they usually embroider upon the serial killer topic or mythology or tropes or whatever to such a degree that it just becomes stupid. Like, yeah, well, I'm thinking specifically of of movies like The Cell.
0: Oh yeah, that is stupid. Yeah, or it's just I... so
1: ornate, or it's like movie serial killers are always like, "Oh, he kill, he's going to kill seven victims because seven was the number of his siblings that were sexually abused and then killed in a house fire, and he hey, takes seven a single was a good movie, he takes a single toenail from each victim and he puts it in a mason jar under the full moon." You know, like it's, yeah. it's always just stupid shit like that, which doesn't, you know, which it, it's, it it's doesn't really
0: goofy and affected and yeah, yeah it, it bears no, no semblance to reality Which is I think what really bothers you the most about it is that it, I mean from a screenwriting perspective, they're saying um, We need to have like some kind of conspicuous puzzle for you know the sake of the narrative Mm -hmm. but then the problem with that is that it bears no resemblance to reality and it's like at what point does this no longer become is this no longer a film about a serial killer it's like the serial killer is just kind of the window dressing of saying like well we need a game of cat and mouse and serial killers are the only like societal um sort of uh touchstone that people have you know to reference this because otherwise it doesn't make any sense yeah Um, because i mean <clears throat> 'Cause you would never find, like, for example, in real life, a serial killer like, say, Jigsaw. Like no. that is way too fucking elaborate. That's the sort of thing that could only work in a film because again, it's a it's like that same adage about uh yeah, you know, the difference between you know real life and you know a story set of the story has to make sense.
1: hmm Yeah, which, and the, is, in the same- which is fine. Sorry. Like, nothing wrong with the saw films, if that's your jam, but mm-hmm. it's just um I inevitably compare that stuff to all the true crime stuff I've read, and it just i don't know it just pales in comparison. I find that the best serial killer movies for me personally are the mm-hmm. ones that hew really closely to the actual narrative, like stuff like um I mean, I think Henry portrait of a serial killer is kind of a um <clears throat> an amalgam of a couple different killers or something like Dahmer, which is actually about you know Jeffrey Dahmer or even like or even schlock like The Town That Dreaded Sundown mm-hmm. you know which yeah, is based yeah. on an actual case and follows it very closely you know um, director cross-dressing aside
0: right right well you know he's, he's it was a serial killer thriller comedy is what it was about and you know it's just they had some broad comedy to liven it up I'm saying this is the again the, the by the numbers screenwriting angle of it. Can you yeah. tell I'm taking a screenwriting class right now?
1: Ooh, we're all impressed.
0: No, no, I'm saying that's like, as a screenwriterly screenwriter, when writing for the screen, you must think as a <coughs> writer about writing screenwriterly writing. How can I
1: write this for the screen?
0: <laughs> anyway, I had a point which was um, I think that. Jen's problem with these uh, boilerplate serial killer movies Is that they promise serial killers But they deliver something completely different Which is an um, enigmatic killer With some like, weird sort of uh, conspicuous trademarks Which is not what a serial killer would do necessarily Right. And, well actually and-
1: like, most serial killers in real life Tend to be almost colorless people you know, which is why they're able to fucking do what they do for so long. The successful yeah. ones, anyway. Or,
0: or, you know, they're like, you know, charming or um, sort of, you know, like a charming sociopath or something like that. But, I mean, it's, those things are tough to play. And instead, as a s like, to, to write it, it's a lot easier to, to have a lot of, um, I think, elements that are unusual and inexplicable, and then just have those work as a signifier of saying this person is a lot smarter than you know the cop and by extension the audience. And be like, oh, this person's got to be some kind of genius because I don't know what their plan is. And it's like, well, the writer just hasn't given you all the information to understand what their plan is, and it'll all sort of come to pass. You can say, you know, it's a they're a good screenwriter and that they're crafting a good story, but it it bears only a um, sort of shallow resemblance to an actual serial killer yeah and that I think that's where you have a problem and that is similarly that is why I loathe police procedurals because it doesn't fucking work like that
1: well and, naturally police procedurals have to be compressed a great deal um the boring parts of police work are inevitably left out you know waiting for lab results stuff like that
0: yeah but like I love that shit because it's it's that sounds more like real world problem solving to me. And that's what I find most most compelling. Because if you'll allow me to you know wax on about the French connection, what I love so much about that movie is that it's it's saying <clears throat> you're tasked with getting drugs off the street, go like from a dead stop, figure out how to do that. And be like, yeah, if you're just to point at any random person, just say, you, get drugs off the street, be like, I don't know how to do that. But if you're a cop and you have you know a certain set of skills and you can and you have connections and uh, time to put into chasing down leads, then you can kind of start to feel your way out and you can say, okay, this person leads to that person and this thing leads to the other thing, and this is kind of um, this other thing is suspicious and I can follow up on that. And so it's this really meandering path where you try to. Um, it's this really meandering path where one way or another, you come to, uh, you come to kind of find your quarry and eventually get you know, the thing that you're after. It isn't just saying, well, the killer is probably the guest star in this episode, and we just need to find some gimmick that we can use to overlay some, uh, uh, to, that we can lay over the, um, whatever, some true crime du jour so that we can moralize about it at the end and that's what every police procedural feels like to me it's too like neat and compact and by the numbers and it's not dramatically satisfying so that's so if you want me to watch like NCIS or CSI or law and order I'll be like y- you can piss up a rope for all I care i don't want to watch any of this garbage
1: I know better than ask you to do that
0: well good yeah <laughs> cause well, it wouldn't work anyway
1: which is uh, I, I actually have to hand it to this movie in that um, the, I mean there is the gimmick of the nude killer But
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the circumstances of the case in the, mo- in the movie Actually aren't that uh, insane or gimmicky um, okay. You know uh, I found that they created actually kind of a believable character mm-hmm. In the the character of the killer Who by the way is played by Gene Davis Brother of Brad Davis uh, Brad Davis, you will know from movies like Midnight Express. Um, he died tragically young. Um, Gene Davis appeared in a favorite of ours, uh, William Friedkin's Cruising. He played oh, a yeah. he played a trans hooker in that one, looking very gorgeous. I have to say,
0: some of the most beautiful women I've seen have been men
1: <laughs> in like I the, you said that <laughs> in the the shiniest like pair of tight pants and with like, you know, lipstick and like the whole bit. He he looks great. Yeah.
0: He yeah, walks and totally. heels better he, than I do. He he could he could soak my cork anytime.
1: But in this one, um, he plays a guy and I actually enjoyed these parts of the movie where he's a creep. Like he approaches yeah. women and just comes on like way too strong and like just completely creeps them out. Yeah Which I found very believable And <laughs> and um, From
0: your own personal experience
1: Well it's uh, Fortunately not a common experience But you do meet guys like this Hopefully they're not serial killers One hopes yes <laughs> But um, you know like there's the scene where He approaches the girl in the movie theater And he, mm-hmm. he's just like hey I'm just gonna Like sit down next to you Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, talk to you even though you clearly don't want to talk to me And, like, try to put my arm around you even though you're a complete stranger
0: Well, you realize that was to create, like, an unctuous alibi, though
1: Well, yes But there was also a weird flashback earlier in the film where, um It's him, like, unzipping a girl's dress at work And she turns around and throws coffee in his face (laughs) <laughs> it's like, wow, this, I mean, you know Credit where credit is due that tells you Like, wow, this guy's, like, not normal
0: <laughs> I do, I I guess You know, despite the movie having You know, no Artistic merit, the thing that I did Like is that there Are, um, they intercut Like little flashes of either like the flashback of him, you know, unzipping that woman's dress or him thinking about the um woman that he killed uh like getting into her van mm-hmm. and just like all these little moments about you know or it's it's him thinking about whatever it is that sets him off or whatever it is that he gets off on or whatever it is that's on his mind because even um uh i think he's he's flashing back to or he's thinking about because it isn't even a flashback. It's just here's a brief snippet into what's on this character's mind. Which I think is which I liked because otherwise, I don't know, how else do you convey what a serial killer is thinking about? Mm-hmm. I mean you could do it in some kind of like um abstract, uh like metaphorical way, but then it's like you're it's kind of confusing to the audience, because 'cause it'd be like, Are we here or are we there? or like what's going on? And you get into, you know, this David Lynch territory. But I, I like that just really quickly you see really quickly you see just a flash of uh, a a notable or iconic moment from you know one of the, the scenes of you know him basically getting triggered. And so it's like, oh okay, this is what's on this character's mind, this is what he's about right now. So I found that handy and useful for sort of illuminating the um, the mental state of the killer. But if we want to get back to, we, we can just cut this in later. Uh, if we want to get back to, oh, I described them in my notes as his hate-fuck fantasies.
1: Yes, that's a great yeah. way of putting it.
0: Yeah. You know, um, we didn't oh, even I,
1: mention that this is a, a canon film starring Charles Bronson, which doesn't get any more canon than that, really.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really, it's in the canon canon <laughs> of, of canonized canon Canonical
1: films. canon uh, films.
0: for for when you're being writerly for the screen, as a writer of the screen, for writing screenwriterly writings. Um, Also, uh, in terms of what is, what is like really cheap and low budget about it (coughs) is, um, it's a moment when he's putting on the the, uh, surgical gloves in the theater before he can duck out to kill someone, which again, like did he at what point did he become nude? Because he went to he went to the movies and they like ducked out with his uh with his surgical gloves on, so he was already ready to like go kill. Although he killed a woman in a van, like at a park somewhere. So I'm like at what point did he get undressed to go kill her in the nude?
1: I thought and, that because I well, I thought that the van in the park was was that whole thing was where he went during the movie?
0: During the movie, and which I assume, at night, but
1: I assume that day. he got nude like a few feet from the van.
0: Oh, okay. That's
1: how I'd do it anyway, if I were to kill well, people in the nude in a forest. <laughs> Tempting. If, if, if you were pressed,
0: yeah. Yes. If you had to. All right, cool. So he was all bloody from the murder and then he put his clothes back. Oh fuck, whatever. It's not a premise we're thinking about. It's Um, a,
1: there isn't isn't a very deep awareness of forensics in this film.
0: That's, well, yeah, that's part of it too. Which, yeah, I mean,
1: didn't you really just see this movie to see tits and Charles Bronson like waste people?
0: Yeah, you wanna see him as a sort of, you know, uh, this, this righteous vengeance, this extra legal cop, ironically and like oh well, i don't like this guy and he's a bad person i'm going to straight up murder him because yeah. that's the way justice works
1: it's a it's an interesting take on um you know it's a mirroring of the character that bronson played in all the death wish movies but in those he was a vigilante and yeah in this one he's a cop who pretty much doesn't give a fuck about the law so yeah he's a cop
0: He's a cop who gets fired because he plants evidence on a suspect and then murders the suspect later.
1: You know what was fucking great about the scene what? where he gets the evidence to plant? <clears throat>
0: mm.
1: Is it's pretty much exactly what happens in the documentary Making a Murderer. Because there's a scene oh, in Making a Murderer <clears throat> where they go to the evidence locker because they're like, oh, well, we want to see these like vials of blood that they collected. And somebody punctured those vials with a needle. Hmm. Huh. And then they found blood supposedly connecting Stephen Avery to the crime. Hmm. So <laughs> I was just laughing my ass off watching this movie because I was like, holy shit. This is exactly like yeah. a fucking making murderer.
0: Huh. Dirty cops just framing people. Be like, look, I want to close this case already. I'm pretty sure this guy did it. I just can't prove it.
1: Yeah, I really like, love that's... the movie's complete contempt for due process. <laughs>
0: Well, not only that, and this gets into again the kind of uh, screenwriter aspect of it, is that um, you know you, it's tough to write a serial killer because a serial killer is basically a a boring cipher who then murders someone and then gets off on it. But it's like I don't know how the hell to make a story out of that. Like, is it about the serial killer's redemption? Like, you know, is it about like what made him this way? It's like well, some people are just that way. And, and, and so it's like, well, you don't have a story. You have a weird character. It's like, well, I can't do anything with this. We're in the business of, of telling stories. So you have to come up with this weird um, uh, uh, stand-in for what a serial killer is. But then similarly, in the larger context, the the contempt for due process is shown in that it's like, look, you have to have like a a – Antagonist and protagonist come to come into conflict over you know their opposing views, and how better to do that than to arrest one and have sort of a a tete a tete in the uh, in in the interrogation room. And it's like, okay, well that's how you would do that in a movie. But the long and short of it is that if you're a, if you're a suspect who's arrested for something, don't talk to the fucking cops.
1: It seems like, like he did wise up eventually because um like right after his initial interrogation he's there with a couple of lawyers yeah but that well, actually that's like a, that's a pro tip that we should give to the audience just in general it's like don't <laughs> just agree to talk to the cops just don't yeah.
0: yeah or like when they show up at his place and he lets them in it's like what are you doing yeah it's like You've just given him carte blanche to fuck with you. I mean, to, I like, guess you could maybe like, or find some way to pin this on you.
1: I guess you could explain it in ways like, oh, well, he's overconfident that they don't like have anything on him, but yeah, still. And let me let me also point out um, the biggest problem with Bronson's uh, okay. character's actions in this film. So uh, basically, he and his partner, his straight laced partner. Mm-hmm. Um are con- the one who
0: doesn't frame people.
1: Yeah. The the one who has actual fucking scruples but is presented as like a complete drag. I mean, really. Um yeah. he and his partner are convinced that this guy is the killer. Mm hmm. So independently of his partner, Charles Bronson decides that you know what? Like he's gonna have to make this stick. He's not gonna take any chances on the legal system. Because fuck yeah. that shit. So he's yeah a get... cop
0: who doesn't believe in the legal system.
1: Yeah, it's great. So he decides he's going to plant evidence to right. make sure this guy like goes up the river.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but his partner is suspicious. You know, he wonders what his partner was doing like during, you know, that time yeah, when he... he was at the evidence lab. Like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like, you know, the time doesn't line up. Like, huh? I wonder what he was doing. So, long story short, his partner tells on him. And uh, mm-hmm. Bronson's character gets fired for, you know, tampering with evidence. Now, yeah. because of his actions, the killer gets released and then proceeds to murder five more girls and mm-hmm. go after Bronson's daughter. So right. he completely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's it- basically his fault That all those girls are dead and his daughter was terrorized by a naked serial killer
0: Yeah, and that's
1: where that's where uh,
0: I think the story starts to diverge from the quality of you know the um, Was it Magnificent seven? What what was the other movie? Magnificent (laughs) seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah That's where it it tends to lose something in comparison and like I get that it was a you know as a screenwriting choice where it's like okay, well we need to have bronson invested in the uh, fate of this character beyond him just being a cop and we need to have su- you know we need to have a thing where it all goes wrong which is you know bronson's plan of planting evidence on the serial killer to get him sent to jail but it's like oh well then it t- turns out that you can't plant evidence on a suspect to convict them well, which is and- bullshit yeah, I know, totally. Right? Because we all right? we all
1: know the guy's guilty. I mean, come on. Yeah, we we saw we that saw earlier him. footage where he killed a bunch of girls. Exactly.
0: Why didn't Bronson must have seen that footage as well, right? Exactly. Uh, so, uh, fuck. So I found <clears throat> my point. So, so there's like a there's a reason from the screenwriter's point of view to say, look, we need. We need Bronson to have a plan that seems they're tight because it's you know the 80s and everyone cares about everyone is in favor of vigilantism for some reason, um, but then it's like we need to make the story you know more interesting. And in that it's like okay, well the perfect just plan of framing a person for um, murder didn't work, so now we now we need to come around it at a different way. But we also need to raise the stakes and be like okay, well now we need to make it so the serial killer is coming after him. Or you know, coming after the things no, that he loves. No, better
1: yet, his daughter, yeah. because that's why female <laughs> characters exist in movies like this.
0: Yeah, just to, to be give a, the an main male character a
1: reason to do stuff.
0: <laughs> well, you know, women don't have meaning in in and of themselves. That's the problem. Exactly. Uh, no, but yeah. And
1: to be fair, um, the the daughter is played by Lisa Eilbacher, who most of you will recognize as uh, Jenny Summers from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And she she does. Well, in kind of a really rote, kind of daughter role. Yeah, well, and, you yeah. know, there is some character stuff there where it's like, you know, her her dad is kind of unavailable because you know he's he's he, he's a cop. He loves his job. You know, and there's yeah, kind of yeah, because
0: Charles Bronson. And he's, yeah. he's like if you yeah, if you just like m- like put a mustache on like a fist and had it walk in a like act in a movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apparently Bronson had plastic surgery for this movie, and I'm like, what the fuck did they do? Did they just like take his money, put him to sleep, and then when he woke up they're like, Oh yeah, like we we gave you the works and he looked in the mirror and he was yeah. like perfect.
0: <laughs> we we made him more squinty, cragged, and unemotive. <laughs> like and he's like perfect. <laughs>
1: I can't do and- the Bronson voice.
0: Nah, I didn't.
1: I wish I was dead. <laughs>
0: They wish they was dead. Yeah, that's (laughs) more a Simpsons voice. (laughs) But, and, uh, say what you will about the actress. The thing that I found difficult is that she just kind of, and, again, maybe I wasn't paying close attention because I kind of tuned out a couple of times, uh, in that she, it feels like she just kind of shows up, and also, if Bronson, like, is... Not a particularly <laughs> dynamic actor. No. And so added to that, the character is just kind of a uh, rote lone wolf cop, and put those two things together, and uh, and his daughter is supposed to be the one who's in peril at the end. But it's like, look, if Bronson can't be bothered to emote about him caring about his own daughter why do I care so much about whether she lives or dies (laughs) like we just watched four of her friends get stabbed to death and it's like oh no the woman that we kind of saw in two scenes who's like a waitress or something like they they ate at the cafeteria and I should care about whether she lives or dies or not
1: I think one of the student nurses is played by um, Kelly Preston under her pre Preston surname I couldn't pick her out, but she's in there somewhere.
0: Uh, You know, one of them looks kind of like Pat Benatar, so she's got that going for her.
1: (laughs) But yeah, like, um, and see, this this is the problem with the whole um, unethical cop storyline, because you take a movie like, uh, you know, like like the Death Wish films, um, Mm -hmm. you know, mostly the first one, because they were kind of in diminishing quality after that like say the first death Wish or Dirty Harry <clears throat> or a movie mm-hmm. like that these movies were made at a time when people were fearful and frustrated. Um, they perceived that correctly I think that you know crime was on the rise the cities were falling apart you know people felt unsafe and these movies captured that feeling which is why they were so successful. And mm-hmm. you had these characters, you know, either Clint Eastwood or Charles Bronson or whoever, these kind of audience surrogates who were doing the right thing, quote unquote, in like yeah. a grotesquely like, unfair system. Like, you know, this kind of like Warren court era, like super liberal, touchy feely, like, oh, well, we don't want to be mean to the poor criminals kind of thing. That was how it was perceived. So yeah, and that's why where, your, that's why your sympathy was with these, you know, the bad cop or the vigilante, because you knew that, well, you know, they're going against the letter of the law, but they're doing the right thing. You know, they're getting the bad guy.
0: Yeah, it's the sort and, of thing where it's like I I'm just on the subway minding my own business. And I'm like, I just want to shoot these gang members.
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> It's like I'm doing the right
0: thing. Those are clearly <laughs> bad people, and it's up to me to murder them.
1: Yes, and that's—I uh, believe Tim is referencing Bernie Getz.
0: Uh sure. Yeah.
1: The—the uh, the New York subway vigilante.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Not—not not
0: the Sydney subway.
1: The Sydney subway. <laughs> Wait, Tim, did you kill people on the Sydney subway? Look, it's not important.
0: Bernie Getz. Whatever you said. <laughs>
1: Um those black people. Yeah, we eventually came around it. there. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, so um Yeah, Bernie Gats. Yeah. Um and my point that I was making, okay, so you sympathize with those characters, but it's really hard to sympathize with the unethical cop who whose actions result in a bunch more people getting killed.
0: That's yeah, the like problem Howard-
1: with this movie.
0: Like, how are you not just inept at your job? Like, there's a reason that there are rules set in place. Yeah. There are laws against perjury and planting of evidence.
1: And understandably, like, you know, these movies are set up in such a way as to make the morality pretty black and white. I mean, it's not like... It's it's nothing like real life where the legal system is actually a lot more complicated than people believe it to be and you know, oh there are actually reasons why we have these protections enshrined in our laws and the constitution. But oh, yeah. you know, I'm a big fucking leftist, so what the fuck do I know?
0: No, you're a constitutionalist. Oh you believe I'm that I'm, we a, have I'm,
1: I'm I'm a strict constructionist. Antonin Scalia, baby.
0: Ugh. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but, but I feel yeah. like, and I if feel you like
1: w- Scalia would have loved this movie.
0: Probably. I, I'm sure that, yeah, I could see Scalia, like, I like could, yeah, I could see him like, rocking up to a VHS place and being like, eh, that seems pretty good. I'm yeah, on the like side of the law. Watching I'm, a, that, I'm a freaking judge.
1: That watching it and, like, slurping down, like, 50 oysters while he stares at the bloody tits on the screen. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, guys gotta have hobbies.
1: Yeah, but um, I do know. I
0: picture him up in like a lazy boy with like you know a Budweiser and just like, <laughs> yeah, you show him Charles Bronson. You show him Charlie.
1: <laughs> that is exactly what I would do if I were a cop.
0: <laughs> oh man, if only <laughs> we're in charge of the laws somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to happen.
1: And he later joined the Supreme Court. I don't know. When, by accident. I don't know when Scalia was appointed. Now I don't I, know. Now sometime around when this movie was made, probably around like 1900 or something. <laughs> Scalia. When he was still a young man. Uh. Oh. He uh, like appointments. that He was appointed to the Supreme Court. Blech. He was appointed to the Supreme Court three years after this movie was made. <laughs> so this movie oh. came out 83. <laughs> he was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1986. Oh, gee. Isn't it a surprise that Scalia was appointed by Reagan? I wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> and
0: um, oh yeah, and if you <clears> want, <throat> want to talk more Reagan, you know, nonsense. There's also the uh, mental illness angle to it.
1: Oh where, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. This movie, know, this movie is that,
1: Reagan like, era as fuck.
0: Yeah, because even his uh the defense attorney is saying, oh well we can probably get you an insanity plea. Just be like just say this voices told you to do it, you didn't want to, but he ended up killing people anyway. Just just make up a lie and we'll just sell that in court. Yeah. So again, it's like it's this completely like bad faith, disingenuous nature of the public defender. Just be like, hey, just use uh, insanity defense and you'll be back out on out on the street in no time. It's like that isn't how it works, unless, say, um you're a dangerous mental patient and they close mental hospitals and then yes you are back out on the street. But <laughs> that's the way it was intended to work. I
1: don't I don't know how you I don't know why you're relating that to the Reagan era, Tim. What's um, what's the connection?
0: Purely coincidental.
1: Um and also Which hmm. is weird in
0: that it's a problem that is it's a problem that created itself, I mean for lack of a better term. Because If you were keeping, this isn't even fucking movie podcast anymore. (laughs) Now we're talking about Reagan-era conservative politics. This is uh, skip forward to uh, this time. Skip to this time 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 stamp. Yeah, Uh, skip over five minutes because this is just going to be more bullshit. Uh, So the uh, it's if if. mental hospitals were given proper resources and funding this guy would have been in a mental hospital for the rest of his life as it should be but the same person who thinks vigilantes should go out and murder people who don't fit into society is the same person who doesn't want their hard-earned taxes paying to keep those people off the streets
1: wait a minute Tim you want that guy in a mental hospital instead of in a fucking electric chair like what are you some kind of lib commie faggot pussy (laughs)
0: <laughs> a faggot pussy, the worst kind.
1: <laughs>
0: uh yeah, so anyway, if only if only were as simple as having someone just shoot someone in the face in front of a bunch of other cops to solve, you know, the the problems at hand.
1: Well, there's your Even satisfying though- ending. And again, like the um the insanity defense thing is repeated as a motif at the end of the movie because the killer starts repeating that his defense attorney's strategy word for word. Like, I hear these voices, and I just can't control what I do. You know? Yeah. So it's like, oh my hey, god, god, you have to kill that guy, or else he's gonna, like, kill a bunch more people.
0: Yeah, he's totally flaunting the law. You should murder him in a sort of extra-legal execution. Wait a minute.
1: Additionally, Who's the bad guy here? <laughs> additionally, it should be pointed out that mm-hmm as much as the insanity defense captures the public imagination and to the point where people think it's like used all the time, it really isn't. It's used in a vanishingly small percentage of cases, like largely because it's so hard to get it to stick. Yeah. And, uh, I think there are examples of famous cases like, uh, you know, the murder of, uh, Harvey Milk, for example, and George Moscone. Um, it was what they, was described in the press as the Twinkie defense, um, which kind of got... uh, The defense claimed that the killer... I can't remember his name, but they claimed that the killer was depressed, not eating well, you know, low blood sugar, like, Mm. you know, he was not in his right mind, and that's why he went and shot these two people. And, of course, this got corrupt, in the press to be like, oh, like, they said he he killed these people because he was eating a ton of junk food, you know, which is just Mm. an example of how... um, the hey, press is hey, really I bad heard... at reporting on the law.
0: Are you saying that the press is better reporting on nuanced subjects and also, did you read that flossing doesn't work?
1: <laughs> I, and I stopped flossing immediately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I normally
1: story. floss 10 hours a day and I stopped cold turkey.
0: I also read that coffee both kills and causes cancer.
1: You know what else I found very amusing in this movie? Was how what? down to fuck Lisa Eilbacher's character was. And Bronson's partner was just like, mm, I don't know, like, what's, what do you do with the lady? I have no idea.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there's a scene of the, some partygoers fucking.
1: Well, yeah, because, um, you know, and it's funny, because he pulled his gun on, like, you know, two complete yeah. inoffensive strangers. strangers but, yeah. but, yeah, like... um. Yeah. You know she's all calling him and like you know when he leaves her at the door like he goes to shake her hand she kisses him you know she's super into him and he's just like oh well mm-hmm. I'm I, I don't know I'm just a straight laced cop like uh. it's like dude yeah, straight. this is like every people don't fuck he's like because every... fucking is illegal yeah he's like every guy that I liked in my twenties or just like oh I don't know
0: <laughs> you know just rubbing your puss all over him.
1: Meow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Feed the kitty Meow
0: What is the one takeaway from this fucking movie?
1: Well You know what my takeaway was from this movie Okay so this movie has a nude Killer A nude male mm-hmm. killer mm. That grabbed my interest However Every effort is made To put him behind things <laughs> So you never see the wiener it's like
0: lingerie, you know. It's like you—it's what you keep hidden.
1: I submit to you that that is a yes? fucking ripoff.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I—I I could see that. I mean, I actually, I guess I couldn't see it because there's like the uh, arm of a chair in front of it.
1: Yeah, there's like a bed frame, and I was like, "God yeah. damn it!" <laughs>
0: Speaking of speaking of uh wieners in the movie, uh I do like the autopsy uh with like the fucking like the choice like five cent like uh psychoanalysis uh that Bronson gives when they're looking at the, the first uh dead chick. The, the knife one that got, is his got dick. killed in the Yeah, no no it's, yeah, not even that. It's just like yeah, for the for that killer the knife is his penis. <laughs> cut two. <cut too. laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, that gives you a lot to think about. You really touched on a nuanced subject that hasn't been adequately explored. Like, oh, well, hey, case solved. In that case, we're looking for a man with a penis. <laughs> <laughs> or a knife for a penis, hell, I don't know.
1: <coughs> oh, man, that would, have been, that would be a great gimmick for a movie. A serial killer that... who actually has a knife for a dick. Whoa, <laughs> Based
0: on a story by Sigmund Freud.
1: <laughs> Although, you know, but this is,
0: this gets into a whole other thing too, is that, okay, a killer with a knife for a penis surrogate, vice versa, a uh, cop who is kind of a loose cannon who kills a suspect at the end, why is it that Seven worked and this didn't? It's
1: because, uh, who wrote Seven? Was that ah, Steven's I, alien? I, Oh, Andrew Kevin Walker. I don't know who the fuck that is. Fuck that guy.
0: I don't know who the fuck he what? is, except that he wrote well, Seven.
1: Well, he anyway. Let's wrote some other stuff. I know, no, no, no. I know, I know. I'm just I'm, anyway. I'm he did stupid. a good job
0: with that, and the great thing is because of Seven, I got a funny Lego meme out of it. So
1: <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what other Bronson bit I liked in this movie? What? I think it was in the interrogation scene. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it was in when he was talking to the killer in his apartment. When yeah. uh, he was trying to bait the guy with a description of the killer, oh, yeah. And then he's like, he's like, "Oh, who does that sound like?" And then he's like, "I'll give you a hint, you." And I was like, "That that's <laughs> not a hint. You just gave him the answer." <laughs>
0: I, I do kind of like again. This is why you don't uh, talk to cops because they'll just have any they'll use every opportunity to fuck with you it's like yeah where were you on the night of the sixth and he's like oh i was in a movie theater I was, I was watching a movie and he's like yeah but the killer was uh the murder was on the seventh i I'm like
1: well
0: are we talking about the same day or not like i
1: don't know yeah don't don't trust the cops kids
0: yeah anyway <laughs> yeah and don't let them into your house so they can go through <clears throat> your stuff while you're there
1: yeah did you also notice that um the movie the movie theater where they see Butch and Sundance is the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica.
0: I was gonna mention that, but I didn't uh well I figured Yeah, they and they did mention in the movie they like he was like, Oh, I was at the Arrow or something. Yes. And it's like, Oh, was the Arrow?
1: Cool. I was like, Oh my god, I've been there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw airplane there and some Godard piece of shit.
1: Oh yeah, we did see airplane there. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I saw Lawrence of Arabia there once.
0: Yeah? Was it Mary Pickford? <clears throat> was it in 70mm Cinerama? Uh,
1: uh, it's, 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 I wouldn't have gone if it weren't, Tim. <laughs> what do you take me for?
0: Yeah, no. I don't know. I, I don't th-
1: go to see no Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen and no 35mm.
0: I don't know. I've That's I've for piker's. Too- <laughs> I watched Lawrence of Arabia in the format it was intended, on a double VHS tape.
1: Oh Oh my god, I have to tell you about this cartoon I saw online. Alright, okay. You do? I saw it on this guy's Twitter, I guess he draws like like little cartoons. And so the first panel is him holding forth on like, oh, you know, Ikiru is one of... Kurosawa's greatest films like you might really enjoy that and like oh you should definitely read David Bordwell's book about him like I've re- I've read it like five times and mm-hmm. you know he's talking to these girls and the girl's like oh well I'll definitely have to check those out by the way Greg like I've never met anyone like you well bye and then the last panel is the guy like there with his drink and he's like neither have I
0: <laughs> I've never been to me I've been to the mountain top <laughs>
1: and I was like okay motherfucker like i know that my perspective as an angelino with a film mm-hmm. degree is is you know it's it's a little bit biased in this case but what the fuck world do you live in where like liking kurosawa is like this totally it makes you totally like unique and special and like yeah if only you he, know, if, if only he played the bongos too oh my god i was like i wonder i really want to punch this guy in the face
0: yeah, it's like you, like you make cartoons for a social media site.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm like... honestly, okay. I'm like, okay, well, like, you know, maybe I would be impressed by a guy who told me, like, how much he, like, penned his fan and the work of Alan Clark. <laughs> like, let's see who's really the pretentious one here, motherfucker. Yeah, that is... And that, who that also that has trouble getting dates. <laughs>
0: that is just, like, quintessentially pretentious, though, isn't it? it is, I would say it's the definition of it.
1: And I like that um, these girls And it's
0: someone like They're just patting themselves on the back For how like educated or more educated they are
1: And even in the cartoon Like the girls say like Oh I'm definitely going to check that out Yeah They're interested Like maybe you could say Hey why don't you come over And we'll watch Yojimbo Like yeah. that's a really great Curacao film they're, But this I guess it's to... easier to just kind of like slosh the ice in your drink and just be like just
0: uh, it's so tough no one being meets better my standards. Than yeah yeah <laughs> the the weight of the world on this poor uh cartoonish shoulders yeah um also he's like it,
1: super into anime and video games who knew
0: ugh so it's not that cultured uh, <laughs> oh and he also said stoked.
1: you know i saw i looked at his twitter feed and he's like you know I really think that the last time I walked out of a movie theater saying, wow, was when I saw Avatar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so he's just like a visual cortex, but he's no actual, he has no actual brain stem.
1: He's <laughs> like, the I best... like
0: the part with the colors.
1: <laughs> That's the best description of a basic film bitch I've ever heard. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, oh, you're a cineast? Well... Have you heard of a little director called Christopher Nolan? <laughs> hey, I noticed that
0: you made Lego figures of four great directors. Where the fuck is J.J. Abrams?
1: <laughs> I'm fed up with Still, this world.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Why? You know what, Dan?
0: <clears throat> why? Why is no one else as smart as we are? I know, right? Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. Sit my drink here and sit alone at the bar. Just like ruminate on how stupid everyone else in the world is. Yeah, you know There's...
1: and honestly that's better than like going to enjoy a great film with some friends yeah. and a possible romantic partner because you don't get to yeah. get that delicious feeling of solitary superiority.
0: Uh <laughs> well you know, maybe, maybe they can't all be, uh, you know, Cape Fear. And some of them just have to be 10 to midnight. You're like, I'm doing this so that my landlord doesn't kick me out of my apartment.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like this <laughs> which... movie, some movies are just filler. Like, yeah. they fill 90 minutes to two hours of your time. You know, they give <laughs> you a little bit of a jolt, you know, like either like by murder or tits or whatever.
0: Oh, some of these episodes are just filler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tim anything you want to leave our listeners with
0: Uh, Don't see 10 to midnight watch 7 or any movie Made in 1985 Unless it was 10 to midnight
1: Bam <laughs>